Would you turn with me to the book of Acts this evening? Acts, the first chapter. And let's continue on with our study of healing. I feel like I'm beginning to get direction about a new series. Because in one, one more case past this one, we will, uh, I will be complete with the individual cases uh, for now. And I'm thinking, uh, of course, you know, like I told you the other night, I, I got notes galore on healing, as you might imagine. I spent a lot of my time in this area, and I never get tired of thinking about it. I mean, it's good to be healed, isn't it? And uh, faith comes by hearing. Though your faith might have been strong for healing years ago, it's not going to automatically stay strong if you don't continue to feed it. And that's true in every area of life. You ought to be constantly being fed. Well, we've just been camping on this for week after week. So you ought to have had a good dose of healing. Amen. The past several weeks. And if you haven't been here, tapes are available if you want to catch up with us. But uh, I'm, I'm beginning to get some direction, I think, and I won't say anything about it yet, but just pray for me if you think about it. Say, Lord, show Brother Keith what to do. And uh, I'm thinking some things that might be, uh, you might groan a little bit at first, but you'll be happy before it's over with. So. <laughs> I mean, no, we need all kind of food, uh, natural food, not just ice cream and potato chips all the time, right? I mean, you, you need some uh, you should have some other kinds of food. Good solid food. Cornbread. Cauliflower. Woo. Uh, you know, squash. Good, good solid vegetables. And you need something. Uh, the, the Bible has other things besides healing and prosperity. You know, a good uh, pastor, good shepherd is going to endeavor to give you a balanced diet. Right? Not just one thing all the time. So uh, we'll be looking at some other things. But tonight, we're excited about healing. Amen? If you haven't been with us, we've been for some weeks now on a series entitled Ministering and Receiving Healing. Or Receiving and Ministering Healing. Is that how I said it last time? Anyway, we're talking about both. And we went one by one through 20 accounts of healing in the ministry of Jesus through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, taking, looking in detail at each one. And now we've begun in the book of Acts. And so we're continuing. Read with me, please, in Acts 1, as we've done before, and the first chapter, Acts 1, 1, Dr. Luke, whom God used to pen the gospel account of Luke, he's also using to pen here the book of Acts. And he says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. So the, uh, the account, the gospel account of Luke that he penned about how Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him, how that Jesus preached and taught and ministered deliverance. He said that was an account of all that Jesus began, all that he started. And how many know now he's beginning to pen the book of Acts? Do we see similar things happen in the book of Acts as to what happened in Jesus' earthly ministry? 
I mean, so many times we, we've read, you know, how that the apostles would say to somebody, rise, take up your bed and walk. Well, that sounds just like somebody else. Who? Jesus, the Bible said that the uh, civil authorities took notice of them and marveled that they had been with Jesus. How many know that uh, running with folk can rub off on you? Good or bad, right? And uh, hanging with the right crowd does good things for you. Hanging with the bad crowd can do bad things for you. It does make a difference who you hang with and who you spend time with. Here's a simple question. That you ought to ask yourself as to in determining how much time you spend with somebody. Question is this. Do I want to be like them? How much do I want to be like them? Then that's uh, how much time you ought to be thinking about. Of spending with them. Unless it's happening the other way around. That they're becoming more like you. Did you hear me? Because you know that, that kind of thing is going to happen as you spend time with people. Well, anyway, we see healings, deliverances, miracles happen in these pages in the book of Acts. And that is a continuation of what Jesus started, recorded in in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How many understand and, and know healing didn't pass away when Jesus ascended? It continued. Amen. All the kind of things that you saw Jesus doing continued to happen through his apostles, through his prophets, through his disciples, through his church. How many believe we're a part of the same church today? And the same things are supposed to be happening today. The book of Acts is still being written. You and I are in here. Our chapter is being written right now. Thank God. And we got the same Holy Spirit, same name of Jesus, same great commission, same healing. Amen. Jesus is continuing what he began. Well, we looked at the healing of the lame man at the gate called Beautiful. Do you remember that? And then we also looked at the healing of who? Aeneas. Amen. He was, he was sick of the palsy. And he got over it. And then we looked at the healing of. Were y'all here? The crippled man at Lystra. Right? That was just last week. Is that correct? And we got excited because he got faith to be healed from hearing the gospel. You remember we got excited. Don't you remember? <laughs> Great. Maybe I should just go back and preach it over again. It wouldn't hurt us at all. But let's continue on tonight to the next account of an individual healed in the book of Acts. It's in the last uh, chapter of Acts. It is the healing of Publius' father. The healing of Publius' dad. Daddy, father. In Acts 28, let's pray. And then we're going to read and believe to get revelation out of the scripture. Like we do every day when we read our chapters. Am I right? 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 Let's pray and we'll read this. 
Father, we ask you to open our eyes to see good things out of your word tonight. Quicken us by it. Your word is life to us and health and medicine to our all of our flesh. Let this healing word come into us and bring our faith up and work healing and strength in us. And show us, give us answers to questions and show us solutions to problem and direction. For right now, we'll give you all the glory. We'll give you all the praise. We'll not be hearers only, but doers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Acts 28, verse 1. Well, if you've, if you read the book of Acts, like we've just done recently, then you know that they were in the ship being tossed in a storm for approximately 15 days. How many of being in a storm for one day is a long time? Now see, no doubt, this is a sailing vessel. They don't have huge diesel engines like we have today, and they didn't have weather radar to see where it was at. They're in it. And then this thing carries them along. They're riding with the storm. So, you know, they didn't just pass through the storm. They're part of the storm. Day after day after 14 days, and then I guess it was about the 15th day when the ship broke up. Man, that's a long time. How'd you like to be in a typhoon, hurricane, for 15 days and nights? What a ride. And then the ship broke up. They all had to jump overboard, grab them a plank or something that would float. But supernaturally, just like the Lord had told them, they all made it to the island. There was an island not too far away. So here it begins in, in chapter 28, verse 1. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous or primitive native people showed us no little kindness. In other words, they were they're very nice to them. For they kindled a fire and received us everyone because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when, well, let me just stop right here. How many know being nice and courteous has nothing to do with being intelligent? Or being educated? Or having degrees? No. Sometimes people think it is an excuse because they are educated to be snobbish. There's some way or another that uh, exempts them from being nice. It's a sad thing. <laughs> you know, some of these nice shops and really nice restaurants are that way. Some of these folks have such attitudes. We were up in the Northeast. I won't even say the state. But a very, very large city. And and I was accompanying Dr. Hagen and Miss Aretha. I was driving the car for them and accompanying them, helping them in the meetings. Phyllis and I were. And, and some pastor friends, our hosts, were wanting to take them to eat. And they took us. That happened a lot. We went to a lot of nice places because we were with the right people. And uh, Mom Hagen, as we called her, it was a seafood place. And she... Uh, we're looking at the menu. It's supposed to be a very, very exclusive, nice place. How many understand exclusive doesn't necessarily mean nice? Yeah, right. <laughs> it should. But uh, Mom Hagen, you know, at that time, she's 78 years old, I think, and very, very beautiful and 
and gracious. And, and she said, uh, the, the, this fish, she said, uh, is it fresh? And the guy said, no, it stinks. <laughs> we thought, whoa. <laughs> you know, the fish is not always fresh. Sometimes it's frozen, right? That's what she's asking. And you see that kind of thing, and people make an excuse for it because they're supposed to be exclusive or educated. But, you know, and people think this. I've seen women who were, were, you know, snobbish about standing, get insulted if somebody didn't open a door for them or, or you know, well, I guess I'm a lady. That's not a lady. A lady knows how to be gracious. Or men who say, don't you know who I am? Why don't you have a seat for me? Do you know who I am? Well, you're telling me right now. <laughs> In some ways you don't want to. You're telling me you're rude and self-centered. So here were some people, they weren't educated. They're wearing loincloths, but they knew how to be hospitable. Amen. Amen. How many believe that's a valuable thing in the eyes of God? Hospitable. How many believe Faith Life Church is going to be one of the most hospitable churches anywhere? Amen. I mean, when people come and visit, we're going to treat them so wonderful, they're not going to want to leave. Right? We're going to be one of the most hospitable. And churches who know how to practice hospitality in the world. Come on, tell me amen real good on that. Yeah, Amen. The Lord's teaching us right now how to do it. So they, they built them a fire. And they took care of them. And they, they brought them in out of the cold and the rain. And verse 3. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks. Now let's just stop right here. Here's the great apostle Paul. Learned man. Man of God. Orator. Gathering sticks. Well, he sure what didn't think he was too good to work, did he? The Greek implies capacity load. Arm load. Not two sticks. Arm load of sticks. I understand Paul didn't feel like he was above building a tent here and there. And getting his hands dirty and doing what needed to be done. Right? And you'll find that real men and women of God are that way. Real gentlemen. Real ladies don't mind rolling their sleeves up, getting their hands dirty. They don't just sit around while everybody else cleans up the place. They get in too. They don't just watch while everybody else does the work. They get in too. If something's being done, everybody does it. Go ahead, let's do it. Amen? So Paul, the great apostle Paul, brings a, a big load of sticks and he dumps them on the fire. And uh, there came a viper, that means a poisonous snake, out of the heat. Well, you know, when the heat rises, the snakes come out. That's right. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and that's another message, isn't it? <laughs> when the heat rises, the snakes come out. And the heat came up. And this poisonous snake jumps out of the fire and fastens 
on Paul's hand. That means he sunk his fangs into Paul's hand. And here is this poisonous viper. Deadly viper. All the islanders knew, you know, from the rest of the story, they are expecting him to fall down dead just any moment. They all know this snake. They, they, they have had uh, other people, maybe other relatives, who got bit by this snake. They know this snake. This snake bites you, you're dead. Right away. There is no emergency room. <laughs> There's nowhere to go. You're dead. Now let's just stop right here. The Apostle Paul is a man of God. How many would say amen? That's right. No question about it. He is a man of God. He's a man who knows God. He's a man of faith who lives by faith. He knows about his righteousness in Christ. God used him to tell us about it. Right? He knows that he has rights and privileges and who he is in the anointed one, Christ Jesus. He knows how to hear from God. He knows how to be led by the Spirit. But let's look over the past uh, several months of his life. At this point, it has not been all fun. He's been in a jail cell. Right? He's been in a prison. And for the last 15 days, he's been holding on to something to keep from getting washed off the ship in a hurricane. And then from there, he is shipwrecked in a storm, holding on to a board for dear life. And I don't know how many hours it was or how long it was, but finally they made it from prison shackles to hurricane to shipwrecked on an island. And now what? Snake bit. Now, for some folk, that would have been too much, right? It's like, God, you got to be kidding. I mean, 15 days in a hurricane, shipwrecked out in the deep with the sharks and the storm, and I make it out alive just in time to get bit by a poisonous snake. I understand a lot of folk would have been losing it. They would have been second guessing everything, wouldn't they? Can I hear from God? What is wrong with me? Where did I miss it? Right? Now, this is very important, friend. People, you know, they, they ask these questions and they, they, they just get bogged up in the mire of confusion about why do bad things happen to good people? People conjecture about it. They theorize about it. Well, there's a, there's two basic reasons why Christians go through difficulties. One is because of their own faults and because of their own mistakes. Now, don't just take my word for it. Read First Peter carefully. You know what, just five chapters, read through there carefully. And also Second Peter continues the theme. He talks about suffering. Uh, the word suffering is in those chapters numerous times. And also the word glory. 
That's the theme of those books. But he differentiates between two causes of suffering. Suffering for one's own faults. For which there is no glory. And in the other is suffering persecution because of obeying the Lord. For which there is great glory. And the the sufferings like that, the Bible said, are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. And it kind of irritates me, and I, I try not to let it bother me too much, but when you hear so many Christians talking about sufferings and attributing them to the will of God, when the sufferings they're talking about are sufferings they're going through because of their own faults and their own mistakes. There's no glory for that. There's no reward for that. And yet there is the other side. The Bible said they that will live godly in Christ Jesus, they shall suffer persecution. Not the curse of the law, persecution. Why did Paul get taken into custody? Why did he wind up a prisoner of Rome? For preaching the uncompromised word of God. Obeying God. The Lord even told him. When he got saved, that he was going to endure some things for his name, and eventually he was going to stand before kings and give his testimony. And he did. But don't don't just lump all of this into that. Back up a few pages, and let's look at another thing. This is a big subject, and I don't want to spend all my time on it, but we should touch it. In... uh, But just one chapter back, just one chapter back, I want you to notice how this this immediate thing came about. The Bible said in 27.1, when it was determined we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of of the Augustus band. And uh, they, you know, they made their course to one place and then to the next. And verse 8. They came to a place called the Fair Havens, near whereunto was the city of Lycia. Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said to them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. That turned out to be exactly right, didn't it? Well, did the Lord intend that they go through that hurricane? Read the next verse. Verse 11. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. They didn't listen. What would they have done if it would have been up to Paul? They would have waited till the season for these kind of storms had passed and subsided. But they didn't listen to Paul. More importantly, they didn't listen to the Lord. Do you see this? Paul, I mean, the Lord gave it to Paul. He got it in his spirit. He didn't say, I heard a voice. He didn't say, I had a vision. He said, what? I perceive. See, we've been talking about being led by the Spirit on on Sunday mornings. And, boy, this is exactly what this is. He didn't say it was a voice. He didn't say it was a feeling, any goosebumps or voice uh, or, or vision. He said, I perceived it. I got it in here that if we leave now, 
we're going to run into some weather. And we could lose not only the ship, but our lives. But they didn't listen. He wasn't in control of the whole thing. He's a prisoner. He didn't have the final say so. So they ignored him. They overrode it. And they plunged right on into it. It looked like everything was going to be fine for a little while. But then here comes this terrible storm. And for 15 days they're tossed on the sea. And finally shipwrecked. And finally on the island. How many understand if they'd listened to Paul. They wouldn't have been on the island. Where the snake was. Because they wouldn't have been shipwrecked. Because they wouldn't have got in the storm. They never intended to go to that island. Did you hear me? Friends, this is important to see. People try to say, well, you don't know why God put them through all that stuff. Well, it's a combination of things. People suffering for their own faults and not listening to God. And then also there is some suffering persecution for preaching the gospel. But we really need to know which one's going on because one of them has no reward and no glory. There's no benefit of going through it. The other one is eternal glory and reward. Understand what we're talking about now? Suffering for your own dumb fault and mistakes is not going to benefit you at all. Did you hear me? But suffering things because of obeying God and putting Him first, there's eternal reward. So there wouldn't have been a shipwreck. There wouldn't have been a storm. They wouldn't have been on the island where the snake was if they'd listened to God through Paul. Can other people in charge, can their disobedience affect you? Yes, it can. Did the disobedience and unbelief of the unbelieving ten spies and the rest of the Israelites affect Joshua and Caleb? Did it delay their entrance into the promised land? Yes, it did. But it didn't stop them. Did you get that? It didn't stop them. It didn't prevent what they were believing from coming to pass. That's why we ought to pray for our president. We ought to pray for our our governors and our senators and our leaders. Why? Because their decisions affect us. Did you hear me? You ought to pray for your pastors. You ought to pray for your employers. Amen, because their decisions affect you. You might like to think, well, I can just live in a bubble, just me and Jesus, but no. This also explains something. Why didn't Paul stand up on the deck of that ship the first day and speak and say, winds, be still. Waves, lay down in Jesus' name. Why didn't he do that? Did he not know his authority in Jesus? Certainly he did. We see him doing other things like that. Why didn't he do it then? Because he didn't have it in his heart. Why? Because they were there because of not listening to God. Did you hear me? Well, what do you do when the leadership messes up and throws the thing in a hurricane for 15 days? You get in in the belly of the ship and pray. (laughs) And you say, God, have mercy on this bunch. I know you tried to tell us, but we weren't in charge. Have mercy on us. Help us. And God heard his prayer and an angel stood beside him and said, God's heard you. 
And don't be afraid. You have got to go to Rome. In other words, you ain't going to die out here. I got stuff for you to do in Rome. And look, God has given you everybody that's with you. Oh, they didn't know how glad they ought to be that that little preacher was on board. Did you hear me? And folk may not know how glad they ought to be when you get on their airplane. When you get in the car with them. When you get on the boat with them. I'm serious. If you walk with God like you ought to be, a heathen can be spared because you're on board. It's a fact. Bible fact. But anyway, regardless of why something is that way, you still have to have the spirit of faith about you. You're an overcomer. So they didn't listen to God. So I can still overcome. So we've been in a storm for 15 days. So I'm not quitting. I can overcome. So we're snake bit. So (laughs) I can overcome. I am an overcomer. Amen. You see the spirit of faith in Paul. Oh, I love it. It's that unconquerable spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Hold your place here and and turn over real quickly to 2 Corinthians 4. Let let me remind you of this wonderful spirit of of faith that the same Apostle Paul talked about by the Holy Ghost right here. 2 Corinthians 4, 8. Are you there? We better hurry up. I haven't even got to publish yet, you understand? (laughs) 2 Corinthians 4, 8. Paul said, what? We're troubled on every side. Now, now some people leave the idea that if you have enough faith, you never have any trouble. Well, that's not in the Bible. But if you have enough faith, you never have any troubles, never have any problems. You'll never have any tests, never have any trials. No, the Bible didn't tell you that if you had enough faith, you never have any problems. The Bible teaches that if you have faith, you will overcome every problem. Sure. Paul said, trouble? We got it, buddy. Every side. Yet. Yet. I am not distressed over it. I'm not stressed out over it. Can you have trouble on every side and not be stressed out? If you're a believer. So I'm a Christian. I didn't say Christian. I said believer. (laughs) That means you live by faith every day. You believe instead of doubt. Walk by faith instead of fear in sight. He said, we are perplexed. What does perplexed mean? It's kind of like the cartoon with a caption bubble over your head with a big question mark. It's like, huh? (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) What is this? He said, perplexed, but what? But, but. Not down over it, not despairing over it, not depressed over it, persecuted. But what? Not we know we're not forsaken. God's still with us. Cast down, not destroyed. but not destroyed. One translation says knocked down, but not knocked out. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 13, he said, we have the same spirit of faith as it's written. I believed and therefore have spoken. We also believe and so we speak. Oh, that spirit of faith. That spirit of faith. I've had people look at me crying and go, I don't understand what's happening to me. I'm a faith man. This is not supposed to be 
happening to me? I'm a faith person. Not right now, you're not. Faith doesn't act like this. I'm a word man. This is not supposed to be happening to me. No, see, you're, you're blowing it. You're yielding to fear. You're yielding to unbelief. And see, a lot of people would have done that, wouldn't they? If they made it through the 15-day hurricane. If they made it through the shipwreck. And they made it to the island. And they got this poisonous, big old, honking, deadly, scary snake. That just injected you with ever how many cc's of venom. They would go... God, oh God, oh Lord, I try to serve you, and this is what I get. I don't understand. I don't understand. You got to help me. That's how you die. That's how you swell up and fall down and die. And they have your funeral, and they go, "Well, he was a great man. Bless his heart. He died serving the Lord." And that's all great and good, but there's something better. I said, there's something better. Did Paul freak out? Did he go spastic? What did he do? What did he do? Oh, friend, here's the deal. Stuff can happen. Sometimes stuff happens because of your own dumb fault. Sometimes other people are dumb. Dumb beyond your control. (laughs) It's true. You're not in charge and they make dumb mistakes and it affects you like it did Paul. And stuff can happen that's not good, that's not the will of God. But here's the deal. When it does, is it going to shake you up? Are you going to shake it off? You got It's your choice. It's your choice. It's going to come. Stuff comes. But when you, when you feel shaken on the inside, that's the time you got to get a hold of yourself and say, fear not. Fear not, the Lord is with us. Fear not, His word is true. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. I will fear no evil. I don't care if hair standing up on the back of your neck and your knees are bumping together and goosebumps are double parked on your arms. In spite of the feelings, in spite of all that, you say, I refuse to fear. I will not fear. No, God's been too good to be. He's never let me down. He's never failed me. He's not going to start now. I'm not going to die on this island from a snake bite. No, I'm going to Rome. God's already told me, I'm going to Rome. I'm going to preach at Rome. And this ain't Rome. So I cannot die out here on one of these stinking snake bites. I can't. I will not die. I will live and go do the work of God. Now, friend, that's exactly how you must respond if you get a bad report. Did you hear me? If they tell you you got a dread disease or if they tell you that your money deal's not going through or whatever, something with your kids. I don't care what it is. When it comes and it grabs you and it tries to shake you, remember, just like Paul standing by the fire with that snake on his hand. Whether you live or die, whether you overcome or whether you are overcome, is right in your hands. Right now, what do you decide to do? Let it shake you up? Or what? Shake that old snake off in the fire. Shake it off. 
The Greek literally says, brush it off. The, the brush tells you something, doesn't it? What does brush tell you? So what? Big deal. What's a snake beside the power of God? Hmm? See, when, when things happen, it's going to depend on what you magnify. If you magnify the snake, oh, do you know this is uh, snakeus venomous, you know? <laughs> the worst snake in the whole world, you know? There's enough venom just injected in my hand to kill two elephants. And, uh, you know, they say it only lasts about 15 minutes. Man, I'm feeling it already. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is awful. You're going to die. Or do you magnify God? Do you begin to say, greater is he that's in me than any snake that's in the world. Greater is the keeping power of God in me, the Holy Ghost anointing in my blood than venom. Venom is nothing beside the power of God. Cancer is nothing beside the power of God. Did you hear me? Depends on how you talk, how you think, which you magnify. Magnify the problem, you'll perish. Magnify God, you'll triumph. You'll live. One way of resisting the devil, one exercise of faith is you make light of the problem. You make little of it. What do you do? You go, that's just a snake. Don't worry about it, guys. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but brother Paul, that's a that's a snake's deadliest. <laughs> nah, telling you, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Unless you like barbecue snake, there he is. <laughs> and the Bible says what? When the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, "No doubt this man's a murderer." Whom though he escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffers not to live. They thought, look at that. He made it out of the, out of the storm. He made it out of the shipwreck. And now he's going to die here from a snake bite. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. One translation says, no harm at all. Oh, glory to God. How many remember Jesus said he'd, he'd given us authority and power. And the enemies under our feet. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Do you remember that? You know in, in Mark 16. He said these signs will follow believers. Right? My name they'll cast out devils. Among other things it says they'll take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing it will not hurt them. Now some have taken those scriptures. To develop doctrines of snake handling. And poison drinking. You've heard about it. You read about it. And there's places in the country right now. Maybe tonight. They're having a snake handling service. They go out and they get rattlesnakes. Or water moccasins or whatever. Whole cages of them. And they get to playing and singing. And praising the Lord. And then at the right time. which Whatever that is. They, they reach in and pull them out a big snake. And they hold them around. Hold them around their face. To show that they're, they have faith. Well, that's unscriptural. They think it's scriptural. They think, well, that's what the Bible said. Take up serpent. Well, all scripture must be rightly divided. How do you rightly divide a verse? 
with other verses. Right? Do we see any place in the book of Acts where they had a snake handling service? Is there any other witness that implies or supports any of this? The only thing we have about a snake is this. Right? So that verse should be interpreted in line with this. And in fact, if you look up the word take up, that word is also many, many times, same word, translated take away or remove. And that's exactly what Paul did. He threw him away. He removed him when he was bitten, not on purpose. Now, I know y'all know this, but I hope you do. But some people don't. And anyway, he just shook that thing off and felt no harm. Everybody say, felt no harm. No harm. And when they looked, they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they looked a great while, they knew he should be dead by now. He's not even swelling and saw no harm come to him. They changed their minds. You know, people do. And they decided he must be a god. Nobody gets bit by snakeus deadlius and lives. But he did. Somebody say, thank God. If things come, I will not let it shake me. It will not shake me up. I will shake it off. Let's say that with me three more times. It will not shake me up. I will shake it off. It will not shake me up. I will shake it off. It will not shake me up. I will shake it off. Hallelujah. You do that and that's faith. And God will have a legal right to come through for you. And do for you the same kind of thing you did for him. Amen. Can't panic and cry and ask why a thousand times. You got to respond in faith. Anyway. Like we said. They would have never been on this island. If they'd listened to God. But here they are. How many understand God can take what the enemy meant for destruction and turn it around and bring good out of it? Must be frustrating to the devil. (laughs) How many understand the devil didn't have that planned for Paul to have revival on the island? He expected Paul to swell up and die and he would be through with this thorn in his side. Right? That was his intention. He wasn't trying to teach Paul a lesson. He wasn't trying to develop Paul's piety. He's trying to kill him. But look what God does with this. They missed God by going to begin with. He told them. They've been through the hurricane. They've been through the shipwreck. Paul's been through the snake bite. But can God take all that? And do something with it. And bring something wonderful out of it anyway. In spite of men's ignorance. In spite of people's disobedience. In spite of leaders mistakes. In spite of all of it. When people look up and trust God. He can take something and bring a wonderful thing out of it. In the same quarters. Were possessions of the chief man of the island. Whose name was Publius. He received us and lodged us three days courteously. Now let's just stop right here. 
You know, I can't pass an opportunity to preach prosperity. (laughs) Here's Paul, a prisoner, shipwrecked, just got snake bit. Next thing you know, he's in the nicest digs on the island, eating the best food on the island. And this, if you look up the words, it leaves the idea of estate. This man was the richest man on the island, and the word means estate. He had an estate. It's amazing how tradition prevents people from seeing this stuff. Paul is sitting up, not dead, not dead, sitting up in expensive furniture for the island, whatever that was. Nice hammock. Fresh pineapple. Yeah, yeah. Blackened fish. Just caught that morning. He's doing all right, I'm telling you. Nicest, nicest place. Best food in the island. Just like that. How, how quick God can turn something around. Shivering, cold, snake bit prisoner. In the best place, eating the best food. Happens quick. And uh, it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux. Now, you wouldn't have to know what that is to know you don't want that. (laughs) Right? (laughs) If somebody came to you with a big syringe of green stuff and they said, this will give you the bloody flux. Would you like some? (laughs) Go, no. Get away from me. No. I don't want the bloody flux. <laughs> uh, if you look this up, which I know you're, you really want to find out. Another translation says he was lying, uh, prostrate, suffering from recurrent bouts of fever and dysentery. A disease of the stomach, infection of the lower intestinal tract. Producing severe diarrhea, often with blood, thus bloody flux. He's in a bad way, right? Something that could kill him. Something he could die from. And uh, Paul went in to see him. Now let's just stop right here. How many understand God is not a moocher? You do something for God, what's going to happen next? Does he take it personally when you do something for his people? Remember the woman that built the man of God a room on her house? Remember that? Took care of him. And not too long after that, he's in there praying one day. And he called her in. He said, uh, God says, what do you want? Oh my, when the Lord says, what do you want? That's a big deal. And, and they got a child and had not been able to have one all their life. I mean, you see this kind of thing, you know, Jesus is walking by and he uses Peter's boat to preach out of. You remember that? And I mean, as soon as he gets through using the boat, they have one of the biggest catches of fish they have ever had in their life. A net breaking, ship sinking too much. Fish catch. Is that the way the Lord is? Smart people minister to God's people. Did you hear me? Smart, wise people minister to God's people. His ministers, his churches, his ministries, and their brothers and sisters. 
Why? Because when you take care of God's, what comes next? He is going to take care of yours. You'll see it all through the Bible. Publius didn't have to do this. He didn't know these guys. For all he knows, they're murderers and also, I mean, they come in in chains. Look like escaped convicts swimming up, you know, wet and he don't know, but something about it. And then I'm sure this snake bite deal (laughs) changed their mind, said they changed their mind. But he still didn't have to take him in his house, but he did. He took the preacher, the man of God into his house courteously entreated him, treated him really good for these days. Next thing you know, the Apostle Paul is paying his daddy a visit. I believe because the Lord dealt with him too. Don't you? And as we'll see later on, it's more than him just coming to check on him. He had God sent him with something to minister to him. He goes into the room. This man's in an awful way. He's not in a hospital I mean, he's, he's probably completely dehydrated. He's probably skin and bones. He probably smells. He's in a bad way. He's probably at death's door. But Paul, the man of God, goes in. He entered in, verse 8, and did what? Prayed. Now, it didn't, didn't necessarily say he prayed for him. Get, get the difference now. He prayed. Then he did what? He laid hands on him and healed him. Now that's different language than you see sometimes. Now let's keep reading. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and Paul healed them too? No. No, what does it say? They were healed. Different language. Do you see this? Back up now. Paul entered in and did what? How many understand something happened while he was praying? There's a reason he went to see him in the first place. I believe the Lord led him to. And when he got in there, maybe he didn't know exactly what to do. uh, You know, how to minister to the man or what to do. The man maybe never heard any preaching. Didn't say he preached the gospel to him. And the man had faith to be healed like we read last week. No. Paul just knelt down and got to praying about it. Something came up in his spirit. Here is the gifts of the spirit. Gift of healing. Did you hear me? And he went and laid hands on the man and ministered healing to him. Didn't say the man believed he received the healing. Paul ministered the healing to the man that God supernaturally gave him. And he stood up healed. His bloody flux stopped. (laughs) Don't you know he was saying thank God. Oh, awful shape. But Paul ministered to him. Now, now listen, I've heard people, I've had a man come to me one time because I was teaching him some of these things. He said, you know, uh, I have all nine gifts of the Spirit. (laughs) Well, he was telling me more than he meant to. And sometimes people say, well, I have the gift of healing. You sound like you don't know what you're talking about if you say it like that. Because nobody has these gifts that they can just turn off and on at will and do what they want to do with them. I have the gift of this or I have the gift. People that talk like that are revealing their ignorance. No, God may use you in a way, but it's as he wills, 
not as you. And you can't just turn it off and on when and for whom you desire. He went in there and he prayed and, and he got in the spirit. And the Lord ministered this through him. And he went and laid his hands on this man and ministered healing into this man through a gift of healing. And this man was healed. Didn't receive healing, was healed. Did you get this? Oh, glory to God. How many think this kind of thing can still happen today? God could use us today, things like this. This is for a man who doesn't know God at all. There's no reason to think this man's born again. This is a sign. Oh, but look what happens next. I mean, everybody knew. Publius is the big man of the island. Everybody knows Publius. Most all of them work for Publius. Everybody knew Publius' daddy was near dead. Everybody knew. Everybody. And then here Publius' daddy is down at the market buying some pineapples. And he looks good. And they go, that's Publius' daddy. I thought he was dead. No, they said he's nearly dead. He ain't dead. Look at him. Look, he just jumped over the ditch. And I'm telling you on that little island, word spread around in a heartbeat. Next thing you know, they looked out and published yard and there was a bunch of folk there. Sick people, crippled people, lame people, blind people, dumb people, deaf people. Other people that had the bloody flux too. <laughs> and what happened? They what? They were healed. You'd be adding to the Bible to say Paul ministered to all of them the way he did to Publius' father. But how many understand that Paul, there's no way that a crowd gathered out there and Paul didn't preach to these people about Jesus. How many understand they had a revival? They had a meeting. Paul preached to them Jesus. And how many believe we've already read back in chapter 14. He preached the gospel. And from hearing the gospel. That man got faith to be healed. The man at Lystra. He preached the same gospel here. And they had faith from hearing the gospel. And they had healing lines. And they had prayer. And what? Many were healed. And probably many on their own faith. Is that right? That sounds just like something Jesus would do. Why? Because it is something that Jesus did, continuing to do through the church. Everybody say, I believe it just that way. Verse 10, they also honored us with many honors, and when we departed, they laded us. You know what laded means? Loaded us with things, such things as were necessary. Listen to some other uh, translations of that. One says... uh, They supplied all our needs. They loaded us with provisions. Another one said they made us rich with presents. The Moffat's translation. Made us rich. I guess Paul believed in healing and prosperity. (laughs) Hallelujah. Aren't you glad about that? Listen, I I, I failed to read this to you, but let let me read before we conclude here. You know, it said he entered in and and laid hands on the man and healed him. And it said, so when this was done, others came and were healed. Another translation says, all the people in the island who had any illness came to Paul and were cured. Another one says they got cured. The Williams says uh, the rest of the sick people on the island kept coming to him and by degrees were cured. Did you hear that? By degrees. Healing is a process. 
And there are signs and wonders and miracles of healing. But then there's also recovery. Didn't the Bible say believers would lay hands on the sick and what? Instantly all the symptoms would be gone. It said what they shall recover. Recover implies a process. Right? How many believe in healing miracles? Like Publius, Father. Getting healed supernaturally in a moment of time. Like that man at Lystra. Just jumping up. Never walked a step in his life. Birth defects from birth. And he stood up. Leaped. Walked. Ran. Miracles. Signs. We believe in that. How many also believe in recovery? How many would take a recovery? Glory to Go ahead and stand up on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.